Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports writer and columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, also the co-host of Crimson Cover Television on WVUA. I'm joined, as always, by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. Of course, the Talking Tide Twitter feed, where you can get links to all of our podcasts available uh, with the handle Twitter. Excuse me. Let's try that again. Talking underscore Tide. That would be the Twitter handle. And, of course, you can get our podcast anywhere you like, any podcasting platform you prefer, including Apple Podcasts. Uh, And, of course, you can catch us live on Facebook and YouTube as well. Quick thanks to our sponsors. That would be Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and DraftKings. More on each of those later in the program. And, Travis, we begin uh, this Sunday night, are taking a look back at Alabama's 30 to 24 victory over the Ole Miss Rebels. By far, Alabama's most impressive win of the season, uh, given the opponent. And uh, it was it was a night where, really, in a lot of ways, some of the some of the issues that Alabama's had all season uh, cropped up once again. Uh, but unlike LSU, unlike Tennessee. Alabama finds a way in the fourth quarter to pull it out. Yeah, you're right about that. Offensively, you had some stretches still where a bit of a dearth between production uh, on that side of the ball. Uh, Defensively, uh, you had some issues at times slowing down the run, which especially on the road has been a problem for that side of the football. And and also in the way of penalties, not as many penalties in the game, but certainly one or two of specific note that at the time had the feeling of being potentially catastrophic. Dallas Turner face mask, one of those for sure. In the <laughs> words of one. in the words of Rush Probst, ding. <laughs> that was that was rough. I believe, if I recall, Oof. that was a third down play, too. Where third they were 18. To get, yeah, third 18. 17 so. 17 game. You know? It felt like a turnover, is what it felt like, because you're getting the ball back. Instead, Ole Miss gets a first down at your 30, goes down, gets in the end zone. It's 24 17. But there was a lot yeah. of good things. A lot of good things in this game. <laughs> Plenty of positives yeah. to discuss. On yeah, a positive note. <laughs> 30 to 24, the final score. Uh, Alabama plays poorly in the first quarter again. That's kind of been a recurring road theme, Travis, for sure. Uh, didn't show up in the first quarter at all against Tennessee. Uh, didn't play especially well at all in the first quarter against LSU. Uh, didn't seem like they played very well against Texas in the first quarter, although I went back and looked, and they actually had a lead over Texas after one quarter. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, Ole Miss came out of the gate uh, with a 10 nothing lead. I think they popped the field goal for that 10 nothing lead early in quarter two. Uh, but nevertheless, rough start for Alabama. They get it on track. Bryce Young with a touchdown pass uh, to Jermaine Burton got Alabama on the board first and finally kind of got that offense going with that throw, Travis. Yeah, a little bit, but it was still a 17-7 game there late in the second quarter until you get the really key takeaway. Finally a takeaway to talk about for this Alabama defense with that forced fumble. Boy, Byron Young gets credited with that forced fumble. I thought Henry Toa was in that mix there, sort of in that uh, in that skirmish uh, with Zach Evans, the old Miss running back, but 
I give Terry and Arnold credit. He was heads up, made sure to pick up the football, didn't take it for granted that it could be blown dead. And uh, Alabama in some ways may have lost out on a defensive score there due to the, the whistle. But, boy, to get that takeaway there, get that offense back on that short field down 10, and then to have the opportunity to just be down three, at the half after everything that had happened in those first two quarters, that was that was a uh, that was a glimmer of hope, I'd say. Yeah, there's no doubt. It ended up being the same seven points with a short touchdown drive as it would have been with the scoop and score. But that's a classic example, Travis, of why refs are trained to err on the side of letting the letting play continue because you can overturn that if you're wrong bring it back. But yeah, you're right. In essence, uh, a bad whistle cost Alabama six points, at, at, at least for a few plays anyway. Yeah. And, and and we say that they, after the fact, they got in the end zone. But with this offense, man, there have been times where on some plays like that, you're thinking they better score on this play right. because this offense isn't as automatic as some we've seen in the past in the recent history of Alabama football. Just look at Jace McClellan's big play at LSU a couple of Saturdays ago. He goes 65 yards. He gets tackled, what, inside the 10? I don't think Alabama got in the end zone on that on that possession and had to settle for field goals and settled for some more field goals on Saturday. But, boy, Will Reichard, I know we'll probably get into this as well, but you know Byron Young, Will Reichard, when you want to start listing some heroes, Bryce Young, um, he's on that list too. Yeah, what I wrote about for the T News, Travis, was a little kind of along those lines. You felt like Bryce Young in a lot of games this season had the whole weight of the game on his shoulders. And here was a night where some unsung guys came through a little bit more. Best career game, period, for Byron Young, the defensive end. 11 tackles, couple of sacks. You mentioned a forced fumble, couple pressures, had a pass breakup. Best game he's ever played at Alabama. He came up huge. Uh, you had the situation early in the game where Alabama loses Eli Ricks to a head injury on the opening play right out of the gate. So Terry and Arnold is pressed into service. Uh, he gave up some a couple of big pass plays, but he had a couple of breakups too. Uh, and it was just a night where – and McClellan, right, coming in and, and getting mm-hmm. going 19 for 84 for Jameer Gibbs, who was out with a twisted ankle and only had – six carries on the night. So this, this was a night where some guys, I feel like finally kind of stepped up to to give Young a little bit more support on both sides of the football. Really, all three phases you could point to and say that guy was heroic in his performance, like a Will Reichard, like a Byron Young, to go along with Bryce on the offensive side of the ball. And you're right, Jace McClellan came up big. The run game in general in the second half was much better. Uh, the offensive line seemed to respond to, you know, it wasn't an explosive night. That's that's kind of the uh, the odd part about all this. We're not talking about a run game that produced even 120 yards on the ground in the game. But in the second half, they ran it well enough to feel like they were gaining some semblance of control of the game uh, because right. they were moving people at the line of scrimmage and they were getting five or six or 10 or 12 from Jace McClellan. And I say all that, and it was still Bryce who had the longest run of the game for Alabama on a 14 yard scam uh, scramble. So not perfect. Uh, but absolutely. I thought in all three phases, there were 
at least one guy, if not two or more, that you could point to and say that was a strong performance. And I agree on Terry and Arnold. Tough spot to be thrown in. I think the game plan, whether it was he or Ricks, was going to be those back shoulder throws to Malik Heath because they wore it out going to that. Tarion yeah. responded, took his lumps, as you said, even had a pass interference. Uh, but, what, 10 tackles, like you said, two pass breakups, one of them in the end zone. I give that guy a lot of credit because it would have been easy to sort of just kind of, um, you know, curl up somewhere and, and and hope it would stop. But he kept battling. Kept it up. Uh, frigid, frigid temperatures in Oxford, too, by the way. Coldest game I've ever been to at Ole Miss for sure. Uh, it was in the 30s all day long. It was no better, certainly, uh, throughout the game. And uh, it, it, it's tough to kick uh, in conditions like that sometimes, Travis. Will Riker, though, comes through three field goals, puts Alabama up by three in the fourth quarter with one of them. It was a chip shot, pretty much an extra point distance-wise, put Alabama up by three. But then he comes back with a much longer one uh, to put Alabama ahead by six which was just as big, right? Because that puts Ole Miss in a position where now you got to go get a touchdown as opposed to just picking up a few first downs and kicking a field goal to, to tie it and maybe put it into overtime. And that ended up making all the difference, right? Because Ole Miss drove it into field goal range. Yes. Uh, b- b- before they ultimately failed to get the touchdown that they needed. Yeah, all three of those field goals ended up being big. Um, kind of similar to Texas A&M, even though he missed a couple in that game. He did have a 50-yarder, and at the end of that contest, because of that one make, you know, A&M's having to get in the end zone itself there late in Tuscaloosa. So a similar sort of circumstance on Saturday night in Oxford. And uh, it just seems like in every road game, every one of his kicks have been huge, right? I mean, when you think about the Texas game, people remember the game winner, but they don't talk about the 52-yarder he made early in the game uh, that – it looked a lot bigger by the end of the game. Uh, Arkansas, he had a miss from long distance. It's not like this offense makes it easy on him either. I mean, 50-yarder at Tennessee. Um, and then LSU, he has to hit the 46-yarder in the final seconds of regulation to get that game to overtime. And then 49 yards against Ole Miss to put the Rebels in a position of touchdown or bust. So, uh, unfortunately, a lot of folks will continue to think about the Tennessee miss, but this guy has been as valuable as any player not named Bryce Young on this football team. He's been he's been outstanding, and really, this season for Will Reichard, so much the opposite of 2020 pressure wise. Right, 2020 was the year where he didn't miss a kick; he was perfect all year. Didn't miss a field goal. Didn't miss an extra point. But Alabama blew out damn near every team they played in 2020 for that national championship. So there was never a lot of heat on them. Well, this year, it's like every kick he, they run him out there for, there's there's some heat. Yeah, I think when you think back to the 2020 season, maybe his most memorable field goal was in the Georgia game in Tuscaloosa when Georgia kind of jumped Alabama there in the first half, and he made one from distance. Again, I think yeah. it was 52 that gave Alabama a boost there going into the break. And then Alabama comes out in the second half and really dominates the dogs there at Bryant-Denny Stadium. But you're right. I, I think of the 2020 season, I probably think more about extra points than I do field goals. And it was still a hell of a season a couple of years ago for him. 
defensively for Alabama, Travis, uh, the run defense I thought was was not great. Maybe not quite as porous as it was against Tennessee and LSU from a yards per carry standpoint. I think I think Ole Miss ended up just under four yards per carry for the for the game. Uh, Tennessee and LSU a little bit better than that. But Quinshawn Judkins, 25 for 135. Uh, the Ole Miss offensive line did get a pretty good amount of push up front, I thought, and and uh, gave Judkins the ball in some situations where he had three or four yards sometimes before he even got touched. He gets a couple of touchdowns out of the Wildcat formation as well. This guy's going to be a big-time player at Ole Miss. And I've said it. I, I think this Ole Miss offensive line, when you want to talk about top two or three units in the Southeastern Conference, I think it's up there. Uh, it's yeah. a very good group. You're right. They did some good work against the Alabama front seven. Judkins was as advertised. Um, you know, his 35-yard run there late in the game where it was one-on-one -on -one with Brian Branch in the hole, and he makes this little sort of hip shake and – leaves Brian in his wake and hits another one for 14 yards. I know that was a big talking point for Ole Miss fans in the post game. was why are you going empty backfield after you run it down there to the 14-yard line with Judkins, and now you're going to go empty with Jackson Dart and try to have him win the game. But uh, I, I know Lane afterwards said he thought Judkins at that point was kind of gassed, but uh, he is the real deal. Uh, I thought Alabama defensively in the second half was better against the run until that final stretch. <laughs> but, um, you know, did a good job against Zach Evans for the most part. He wasn't much of a factor. But when you got Judkins uh, doing his thing, you know, and that magic number had been pretty much 180 rushing yards in those two losses that Alabama had had. Um, Ole Miss surpassed the 180-yard mark, but uh, Alabama did enough defensively in terms of a couple of fourth down stops, one early, one late. The takeaway with Terry and Arnold, uh, you know, to, to be able to survive that thing. Vegas man was certainly uh, happy that Alabama money lost. Again, Travis, uh, the Rebels cover. That spread was 12. Of course, they lose by six. Uh, you go back and look now. It's been, you know, didn't cover against Tennessee, didn't cover against Texas A&M. Didn't cover against LSU. Did not cover against Ole Miss. Uh, this, this, and we talked about it a podcast or two ago. Uh, but the betting public still, still thinks Alabama's just, you know, off kilter for a week, and they're going to be right back next week routing somebody. And, and that's not what the. You know, this is a good football team, but that's not what this team is. No, I thought eleven and a half was borderline free money. Yeah. Uh, if you were Ole Miss and, um, you know, and then it's 10, nothing there in the second quarter and you know, you're home because cigar. at that point, yeah, at that point, right there yeah the Tiza is in the freezer, <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, you're just trying to, if you're an Alabama fan and you've got, you know, Alabama laying the 11 and a half, you've already shifted into, you know, who does Hawaii play late at midnight tonight? <laughs> so maybe I can get caught up. You know, what about that Hawaii Utah state game? Maybe I can yeah. double up to catch up. Oh, but, the boys, uh, it, it's amazing how many West Coast football experts oh, there are at about oh, 9 o'clock at night, yeah. you know, with some of these Well, you know, and then maybe they load up on UCLA at home against Arizona last night late, and that doesn't go so well for them, you know. No. But they but they had the early NFL game on Sunday in Germany, so their boys are right back up, you know, at 7.30 <laughs> getting after it. 
Oh, there's always a get back game. Yeah, there's get back there's... before those noon centrals. You know, those noon <laughs> centrals. Yep. No doubt about uh, it. All right. Uh, the Talking Tide podcast rolls on. I'm going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly for you. Uh, we're going to start by telling you a little bit about North River Dental Associates, that great service you get from Dr. Jack Smalley and those wonderful dental hygienists over there at 1100 Fairfax Park, right off of Watermelon Road. You can get every kind of dental service or treatment you might need. Pediatric dentistry for the kids, laser dentistry, cosmetic dentistry, porcelain veneer. They do it all. Dentures, endodontics. The teeth whitening services are extremely popular. And of course, they also do Botox and Juvederm treatments to tighten up those facial features over at North River Dental Associates. Give Dr. Jack's office a call. You can reach him at 752 3506. They're going to get you in and out of the building typically in under an hour on a routine cleaning, and they're going to do a fantastic job. You can also make an appointment with them online. The website is northriverdentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. There you see those outstanding daily dipped chocolate strawberries, the signature item there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, the chocolate popcorn. But you know what I love, good bread, when it comes to the seasonal treats that you encounter? Kind of season to season. I know a lot of people love the pumpkin spice, and I get it. It's fine. It's it's you know, it does the trick, especially when you're catching that first whiff of fall, maybe. But man, that peppermint bark when the holiday season starts to roll around there. Oh yeah, at Peterbrook Chocolates here. Oh, that is as good as it gets, and they got it. They've got the peppermint bark at Peterbrook Chocolates here in Tuscaloosa. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Holidays right around the corner. And with it, the peppermint bark at Peterbrook. I'm going to give you a quick secret about that, too. If you ever want to know what you could do for a good replacement for marshmallows and hot chocolate, just take that hot chocolate and and, uh, drop some peppermint bark down there instead of marshmallows. It will absolutely do the trick uh, around the holidays. You'll definitely love that. Finally, going to tell you all about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The NFL action hot and heavy coming up this uh, next weekend. You're going to have those six and three New York Jets on the road at New England Patriots. The upstart Jets at six and three. A big game in Minnesota. Minnesota, the Dallas Cowboys going to be taking on an outstanding Vikings team at eight and one on the season. And of course, plenty of other action at the DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Uh, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. And to make things even sweeter, sweeter you can throw down on the stepped up same game parlays once per game day all season long. So download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game. That's all you got to do. Again, it is promo code TPPN only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions are in place. And Travis will uh, look around the SEC here to close things out like we always do. What about those Vanderbilt Commodores? We're going to start I got to right give there. it up for them. Yeah. 
with VU, first SEC win for Vanderbilt since 2019. And uh, they knock off the Wildcats of Kentucky, who have absolutely fallen apart, Travis, now. Uh, 24-21, the final score. Good for Clark Lay and his, and his group. Yeah, you can't figure out Kentucky. I, uh, two Saturdays ago, I figured they were going to go out to Columbia, Missouri and, and lose, and they don't. Uh, so then you think, well, they'll go back home and pick up their seventh win and move up that SEC bowl pecking order, and they don't. And Mike Wright, who technically is Vanderbilt's backup quarterback these days because true freshman A.J. Swan had supplanted him. Uh, Swan was out, Wright steps in, and boy, I'll tell you what, Vanderbilt ran the football and ran the football and ran the football. So not your typical Mark Stoops defense and really not your typical Mark Stoops line of scrimmage team. Not a particularly good performance from the Kentucky offense or Will Levis, who somehow continues to show up in first-round box near you, Chase. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Vanderbilt pulls off the win there. Also, uh, apparently the flu bug ran through Vanderbilt, same as it did Texas A&M a week ago, and they still knocked off Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, Had some guys out and ill and and not well, et cetera. But uh, good for Vanderbilt, 24 21 again, the final score there. Travis Auburn knocks off Texas AM 13 to 10. That AM offense just gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, you know, Jimbo basically went to the mic after this one and said, Well, what we're doing offensively <laughs> is the same thing everybody else is doing. Well, maybe try doing something nobody's doing, right? I mean, well, maybe world. you're doing that on Saturday, but what in the hell are you doing Monday through Friday, Jimbo? <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't look like much. You know, you can do what everybody else does on Saturdays, but what's going on in College Station Monday through Friday? But um, no, hey, good for Carnell Williams. You know, Cadillac gets his first win as the interim head coach and uh, had a great chance to beat Mississippi State with Caddy the previous Saturday. So I think there's some excitement for the time being. It'll be interesting to see if new athletic director John Cohen sort of gets swept up in this Cadillac mania right now. And right. hey, good for all good for Cadillac. Good for those fans. They needed something. I mean, that thing was dreadful. Um and it's still not great when you look at the one loss record, but at least here in the latter parts of an latter stages of an otherwise lost season, um, you've got something to keep your fan base connected until you do make that final decision as to Brian Harson's successor. No doubt about it. Auburn takes the win 13 to 10, the final score there. LSU knocks off Arkansas by the same score, 13 to 10. What are we playing in 1988 again, Travis? 13 to 10. Retro Saturday. Places. Yeah, yeah. something else. Arkansas without KJ Jefferson. I think you noted uh, in the midweek podcast that you didn't like Arkansas's chances uh, without him. He was unable to go. Rocket Sanders doesn't look the same. He's not rocking nope. anymore. He, he's a step slow. And uh, and Arkansas's offense uh, couldn't get it done. Arkansas's defense has been pretty bad all year. Uh, their tackling's been awful. But to hold LSU to 13, pretty game effort by that side. But they couldn't score. They had no problem getting to Jaden Daniels in terms of the pass rush. Um, it was seven or more sacks or so in the game with a, a lot of those coming in the first half, but 
Yeah, just too limited offensively for much of that game until the decision was made to go beyond Malik Hornsby at quarterback. And then there was a rush there in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, you, you, you wonder about LSU in a matchup with Georgia. When, when you see Jaden Daniels under siege like he was by the Arkansas pass rush, you, you think about, well, how's that going to translate to Georgia in Atlanta a few weeks down the road? But there is some time to sort of figure that out. And, you know, LSU gets the job done. Alabama wins in Oxford. LSU fans finally had a reason to pull for Nick Saban all these years later. And uh, it's LSU to the SEC championship game. They win the SEC West. Georgia clinches the SEC East with a victory over Mississippi State. And, you know, based on the fact that they were just barely able to nip Arkansas, Travis, you got to think Tennessee fans feel pretty good right now sitting at number five. Uh, You've got Michigan and Ohio State yet to play one another. You've got Georgia and LSU yet to play another. And the one thing that could screw this all up for Tennessee fans is an LSU upset of the dogs in Atlanta. But mm-hmm. boy, uh, that 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 seems that seems awfully unlikely. If I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm feeling pretty good about getting into the playoff right now. Yeah, even the stubbornness from the Horn Frogs at TCU in Austin on Saturday, not dropping a game to the Longhorns. And maintaining its place as a undefeated Power Five, uh, with its eyes on running through the Big Twelve championship game that way, and perhaps finding its way into the playoff. You're right with Michigan and Ohio State still to play. Uh, that is the scenario that Tennessee fans would rather not consider. I'm sure is LSU winning in Atlanta, and then it's LSU and probably Georgia, and Tennessee gets kind of left out in the cold a little bit there. Yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be join Travis and I for the midweeker on Wednesday evening when we look ahead at the Alabama-Austin P game. We'll probably veer away from that uh, game against the Governors. Yeah, uh, let's go P. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe uh, maybe do some fun things on Wednesday uh, apart from the, the usual routine. But uh, Austin P up next for Alabama on Saturday. We'll be previewing that uh, midweek around Wednesday. Look forward to hearing from uh, our listeners and viewers then. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, and we'll talk to you then here on Talking Tide. <laughs>